Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. This is a good day to be together. We're going to kick off this, this year with a message from Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, where God says, I want you to see I'm doing a new thing. I want you to forget the past. I want you to not look behind you. I want you to forget everything that came before because I'm doing something that is new and something that is fresh in your midst. How many of you would like to have that happen to you, you know? Have any of you been watching on social media? You've seen all these, you know, 10 years ago and flash forward 10 years later. You know, I know 10 years ago, I could not have imagined how differently things would look today. And I know some of you are feeling exactly the same way. You know, 10 years ago, I had a two-year-old, a five-year-old, eight-year-old. <laughs> I, I have kids. Seven-year-old. He was actually seven. Sorry, Brayden. I had a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a ten-year-old. Flash forward, I've launched one. He's a sophomore in college. I'm about to launch another one to college. Hey, hey. And, <laughs> and a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old. You know, on the other, uh, ten years ago, we were living in Virginia. We we're living in northern Virginia, D.C. area. Uh, four beautiful, complete, distinct seasons. Could not have imagined. Ten years, I'd be in fallish and springish and back to fallish kind of weather, you know, here. And all of those things, you know. God knows where we've been. He knows where he's taking us. God knows where you've been and where he's taking you. And he says, I want you to forget anything that's been in the past, the good and the bad, and let's set our, set our sights on what is ahead of us. Would you stand with me? I want to read Isaiah 43, we're going to read the first 19 verses, and I would encourage you, uh, if you don't have a listening guide yet, you might want to pick up one of those. It's in your program, or grab a connection card to write on. We're going to have a couple of reflection points during this message today, because life gets so busy that we can think, oh yeah, I want to think about this later in the week, but I want to give you some time and space today to think about what we're talking about, and to apply it to your, apply it to your, your heart, and see what God would have to say to you. Listen to the words that God speaks to the children of Israel and that he speaks over us today. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others can hear and say it's true. 
You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me, so that you may know me, you can know the things that I say about you are true, that you may believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. And when I act, who can reverse it? Isn't that good news? (laughs) This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. These were the people that were going to take over and oppress them and take them into captivity. He says, I'm getting you out of here. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. And this is what the Lord says. The one who made a way through the seas, the one who makes a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Those beautiful words. This is an encouraging and and hope-filled passage that we're going to be looking at today. This is leaving the past behind, looking ahead, and moving forward in him. Can we pray? God, I give you this time that we share together. Lord, I pray that every distraction, every thought, every voice that would come in to to discourage us, to hold us down, to uh, just move our attention away from the good words that you want to hear us speak. Lord, I pray that it would be silenced in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that we would only receive and hear your words of truth. Lord, I pray that we would leave encouraged and expectant about the good things that you have in store for us. Lord, that we would be able to leave the past behind and to look forward into everything that you've called us for, for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. In Isaiah 43, we're looking at a very reassuring word. This is a word of encouragement to give hope and courage to a group of people that really needed to hear this. He said, leave the past behind. Don't look behind you. And he did this because Israel had been in what we call a winter season. Have you ever heard that term? Have you ever thought about that? When we're in good seasons, we tend to think we're in summer or spring. New life is is blooming. Things are growing. I'm feeling great about where we're headed. But when I'm in a winter season... Things look a little different. And this is where Israel had been. They were in captivity. They were under the threat of invasion. They were oppressed. In verse 6, it said that their children and families had been separated and scattered everywhere. These were people who were facing extreme hardship. And to be honest, they felt like they had been abandoned by God. They were like, where is God in all of this stuff? And God was speaking to them, and he speaks to us today that if we're in winter seasons of our lives, we can trust God, that he is still in control of the circumstances. The circumstances are not in control of us. God is. And when you're in a winter season, there may be times when it feels quite barren. You know, the leaves are stripped back from the trees. It doesn't look like there's anything growing. There are times when the days are darker and they're shorter. The nights are longer. 
but God is still in those seasons. Brokenness may become a little more visible during those times, those areas of damage that need to be repaired. When things are stripped away, when the fullness and, and all of that beauty is stripped away, we're able to see what's underneath and what needs attention. Everything can be cleared back. Sometimes the relationships in our lives, sometimes even our feeling of, of connection with God is cleared back when we're in those hard winter seasons of our lives. And God speaks this word right in the middle of where this group of people was facing a winter season. And it's something that we need to hear today because there is a promise of springtime after winter. Isn't that good news? We, hold, we, we plant bulbs in the fall. We put them into the ground, not because it's the right season for growth to occur, because it's the right season for planting. And when we plant those bulbs, we plant them for purpose and for a promise. We believe that when we do that and we cover it over with the dirt, and honestly, we almost forget where we even planted them, but we believe that in the right season, God is going to cause growth to those bulbs, and they're going to come up at the right time, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful, and that's what he's doing for us today. Springtime only sounds like a promise if you've gone through a winter season. Isn't that true? You only appreciate the sun when you've had some darkness. You only appreciate the warmth when you've had some coolness. When you have that contrast, you can appreciate that so much more. So as we go into this new year and this new decade, as we are looking ahead, God is saying there are some things that we need to remember there are some things we need to forget, and we need to look forward. Those are the three things that we're going to look at. Things that God says we need to remember, things that we need to forget, and some areas where we need to be able to move forward. So the first thing he says in this passage is there are some things I want you to remember, and the passage begins, but now this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. And he speaks some words about who we are. And the first thing he says, I want you to know who you are. And these are the words that God uses about us. He says, you were created. You were formed. But think about that. If I'm forming something, I'm not just looking at it and saying, man, I hope that works out. No, I put my hands on it. And I'm forming. I'm fashioning that. You're created. You're formed. You're redeemed. Those areas that would enslave you, those areas that would trap you, the things that have been stolen from you. God says you are redeemed. You're bought back. I gave my life. I gave my son's life for you so that you could be bought back in ways that you couldn't do on your own. You are formed. You're created. You're redeemed. And he says, I've summoned you or I've called you by name. He knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. There is not one thing that has escaped his attention from day one of your life. Before a single day of your life came to be, Psalm 139 says, he wrote every single one of them in his book. Every single moment of your life. The hard ones, the good ones, the in-between ones. All of them. Because he's called us by name, we're known by him. And the second thing he says, I want you to remember whose you are. And he ends that first verse with three powerful words. He says, you are mine. That's who you belong to. You are not on your own. No, you're in a family. You're in the family of God. When you turn your life over to him, you belong to him. And now you are his. That ownership, that belonging, we belong to him because we were created and redeemed by him. We now belong to him. And finally, he says, I want you to remember your value. 
I don't want you to just remember who you are, whose you are, but I want you to remember that you're valuable. And he says in verses four and seven, he said you are precious. These are God's words, not mine. You are precious. You are honored. You are loved. He said I would give nations in exchange for your life. And verse seven, no matter how things look from the outside, no matter what you've been through, you were created for God's glory. You were created to reflect the glory of God. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of what's happened, I'm created for his pleasure and for his glory. And then second thing we need to remember, not only God's words about us, but we need to remember the encouragement that he gives us in verses one, two, and five. He says, don't be afraid, do not fear. When you're going through times that are these winter seasons, boy, it's easy for our circumstances and what we can see to get the best of us and to take us off track. It's easy to look at those things and say, it's impossible, there's no hope, and to become afraid, to be filled with anxiety. But God says, don't fear, do not fear. No matter what you're facing, don't fear. And here's how he breaks it down in verse two. He says, you can't even look at your circumstances. They're gonna be a faulty compass. He said, when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they're not gonna sweep over you. Now notice he doesn't say if these things happen. He says, when they happen to you, when you walk through the waters, I will personally walk with you. When you pass through the waters, I can guarantee they're not going to over, overwhelm you. They're not going to take over you. That's the encouragement. There's no denial of reality in this. There are no platitudes. There's a full awareness of their situation. But yet he says there's no obstacle that you face that's too great for me. Amen? Isn't that great words? There are no obstacles that are too hard for God. And then he finishes by saying when you walk through the fire, Again, not if, but when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Now, if I was in a fire and, and somebody yelled fire, I would probably drop to the floor and try or run out of this place or something. I would be in motion, right? Panic? Anybody else be in panic mode? You know, I don't hear fire and go, okay, let's walk through that. But the word of God says when you walk through the fire, it's not going to burn you. Now, Ellen, Alan Redpath was a well-known British pastor and evangelist. He pastored the Moody Church in Chicago in the, in the mid part of the century. And he wrote these words. Walking is the pace at which you go when you are not in a hurry. Now, if I'm in a fire, I'm going to be in a hurry. Anybody? When you are not concerned or alarmed. When you are not burdened or anxious, then you walk. That's what God says. When I'm with you and you walk through the fire, you're not going to be just running, God, get me out of here. He said, no, you can slow down and keep your pace with me because we're going to walk through this together. And you're not going to be burned up by it. You're not going to be set ablaze. You're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Now, this is a man who, who is famously quoted as saying, when God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and he crushes him. This was not a man that just had successes all the time. And he also said the conversion of a soul, that transformation of a soul, is the miracle of a moment, but the manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime. This is something we're going to be working on our entire lives. This is not just a man who had all great things happen to him. When he was in his mid-50s, he had a near-fatal stroke, 
And after he recovered, after some time he did recover, but he then went into a very, very deep, dark depression. This is not someone who can write words like this to say God crushes a man without firsthand experience of that. It feels like you're crushed when you're walking through circumstances like fires and water and floods. But God's reassurance to us is that we are not alone, that he is still in control, and he's going to use these seasons, these winter seasons of our lives, to shape us, to refine us, to purify, to reveal what is true and real, and to let all the other stuff burn away. And finally, he says, I am with you. Do not fear. Don't look at your circumstances. I am with you. That's why in Psalm 23, the psalmist can write, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. You're with me. There's nothing that is too hard for God. Not anything in our lives, not anything that this year or this next decade is going to throw at us that he can't handle and, and walk through with us. And finally, the last thing we need to remember is God's commission. We remember God's words, we remember that encouragement, and we remember his commission. He said, I want you to lead out, in verse 8, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. And he tells us why in verse 9. He says, all the nations and peoples are watching. Your life is a living letter that is lived out in the presence of the people that you interact with day in and day out. Those you go to school with, those you go to work with, those you live near. Your life is being la lived out in front of people every day and the nations are watching. People are watching us. As we walk through these circumstances and they say, man, I don't even know how you're able to walk through that and have such joy. I don't know how you could face that and have such peace. That's when we become the witnesses of God. That said, you know what, it is not me. I couldn't do that on my own. I couldn't face the things I'm facing and still have the peace of God or the joy of God or even feel like God's with me. But through him and with him, we can face all of that and because the nations are watching, God positions us through these circumstances to become witnesses that he is God. Not just because he powerfully delivers, but sometimes because he's walking with us faithfully when we're in the midst of. Either way, God is equally present. Whether my highs or my lows, God is equally present to me. And that's why he wants us to remember his commission. If we're in a winter season, the temptation is to shrink back. When we're going through hard times, we want to isolate, we want to cozy up, we want to pull the curtains, draw it. That's not what God's calling us to do. He said, even when you're in a winter season, I want you to remember the things that I've said about you, those things are true. I want you to remember I'm bigger than your circumstances. And I want you to remember you still have a commission. You still have things to do. People are watching. So as you think about that, I'd like to take just a minute or two right now for you to reflect. What do I need to remember Am I most prone to forget the, the words that God has said about me, that I'm chosen, that I'm redeemed, that I'm loved? Am I most apt to forget and get distracted by my circumstances and, and forget that God is with me? Am I, for, am I tempted to forget that God has work for me to do, that he has a commission on my life, that he's laid claim to it and he has something that he wants me to do because he's doing something in me in that process? I want you to think about it for a minute. What do I need to remember? What has God done for me in the past? How has he led me, taken care of me, loved me, met my needs? What has he done for me in the past that I need to remember as I move forward? We'll just take a few moments to just write it down. You can grab a connection card or jot it down. 
to just take a moment to think about it. What do I need to remember? There are things we need to remember, but there are also some things we need to forget. There are some things we need to forget. In verse 18 and 19, he says, I want you to forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. Forget the former things. Now, there were two, only two possibilities for the way that Israelites could have remembered the way things used to be. They could have either remembered life before captivity, perhaps some of them had a memory before they were in captivity and slavery, and could remember things used to be good. You know, they could remember the way life used to be before the thing happened. Or they had either been born in captivity and had never known anything else. Two possibilities. When he says forget the former things, it could either have been a really great thing that he still asked them to forget, or it could have been a really hard thing he was asking them to forget. But he said, I want you to forget it. I want you to leave it behind. We can't rely on the old. We can't rely on what we've known in the past, whether it's our methods, our ideas, our solutions, whether it's something that has worked for us in the past, or maybe it was a, a great word that God gave you to give to somebody else, or instruction for your kids, or whatever. Whatever that good thing was that worked for you in the past, he's asking you to lay it down. Whatever the hard thing is that you really want to forget, Guess what? You get to forget it. <laughs> you get to lay it down and not remember that. You get to set that thing aside and say, okay, God, what, start fresh. Let's start over again. What do you have for me today? And he also said, don't dwell on the past. Two times, two different ways he says this. Forget the former things and don't dwell on it. Don't let your mind just go back over and play that, play that recording over and over and over you know, you put a voice memo in your phone so you don't forget, so you can hear it over and over again when you're trying to memorize something or learn something. He said, don't do it. Don't rehearse it over and over and over. It's not going to do you any good, and it's not going to help you get to where I'm leading you today. And he says, don't dwell on that. And again, this is failures and successes. I want to point us back to Philippians 3 with the verses of where Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, the things that have worked for me, the things I might have been known for in the past, I put no confidence in that. He said, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, Paul wasn't just being, you know, egotistical. He was stating fact. These were all the facts. And all of these things mattered a great deal to the people that he was writing to. He was circumcised on the eighth day, a people of the people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, the highest, you know, the highest that he could go. As for zeal, persecuting the church, thinking he's doing right. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. All good things. But whatever were gains to me, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I set aside everything that I worked so hard for, everything that would have given me any kind of advantage socially, in my church, it, wherever I found myself. He had all of the cred. He had everything going for him that should have brought him satisfaction and opportunity and everything else. And he said, you know what? It's worthless. It's trash to me. Whatever I counted as gains, I now count as loss. And he said, I count them garbage that I may gain Christ. I'm willing to lose everything else so that I have one focus, and that's to gain Christ. 
That's all I want. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, notice this, to know the power of his resurrection. That's the springtime. And participation in his sufferings. That sounds like winter to me. I want to know Christ when the good times, I want to know him in the bad times. I want to know how faithful he is, how available, how loving he is when everything is hard and when everything is good. Everything in that. Becoming like him in his death and attaining to the resurrection. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And he concludes by saying, brothers and sisters, I say this to us today, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. I speak those words now. I've been following Jesus for 40 years. I still haven't laid hold of everything that God has for me. And may I never get to the place where I feel like I've arrived and there's nothing more that God has, that there's nothing else that I can grow in that there's nothing else I can learn about him. I don't care how many times I read through this word. Every time I read it, God challenges me with his voice, and I hear him, and he speaks to me, and he shows me things. I could go through the same passage hundreds of times, and every time I go through it, he's gonna show me something fresh and new. His word is gonna be as timely for me today as it was when I first read it because his word is living and active. When I come together with his people, I never wanna just be like, well, I did it, I came to church, I got here at 10.30, I left at, you know, whatever, and, and, I, and I met God today, or at least I think I did, but I'm kinda numb. That's, that's kinda normal. You know, we all walk in here, and some of us are just feeling like it's spring, and we're so alive, we're just wondering why everybody else around us can't figure out that, you know, we're so alive. It's because the rest of us are going through other seasons. And it's hard. We're all on different stages of our spiritual growth. And what God is doing in us is meeting us in those hard places and those good places. But I can tell you, as surely as Paul does, I know that I can't say that I have laid hold of everything that God has for me. I know that I'm in process. But he says, but this one thing I do, and as I'm standing here before you today, I'm telling you, the one thing that I do and that I'm setting my aim on as I enter into this next season, this next year, this next, ne- next decade, is I'm forgetting what's behind and I'm straining. That means I'm putting some effort toward moving what is ahead. I press on, putting some intention. I'm going to press on. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to push through so that I can know Christ and gain that goal of the prize that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. May that always be our goal. May we not be able just to look at a nativity and just think, oh, that's nice, without going like, no, but I see Jesus. May I never come into this place when I'm gathered with brothers and sisters and not be able to notice and see what good work is God doing in you because that encourages me and I need to hear it. May I never look at my circumstances or anything else that's going on in my life and take it for granted. I want that that freshness that comes because God is plowing the soil of my heart and making it good soil so that seed can grow. In winter, when we can't see anything growing visibly, there are still gifts. And I thought of 10. 
that I'd like to talk about. There's, these are some of the gifts of winter. We can focus on the negative things about winter, but these are the good things that we get in winter. The first thing is that our root systems grow, deepen, and strengthen. When all of the energy of the plant is pushed downward, rather than just creating a nice, lovely show for others to admire, when all the energy of the, of the plant is going to the root system, it makes me a stronger plant, doesn't it? My root system strengthen when I'm not having to just produce all of this stuff. When all of the tree, when all of the, the, the beauty is, is taken away, the brokenness and the damage are visible. That could be hard, but it's truth that I need to see. If there are areas that need to be repaired, this is when I see them, and this is when I can attend to them. This is when I can come along and see what work needs to be done. Performance and productivity don't matter in winter seasons. It's not supposed to produce fruit anyway, is it? It would look weird to have an apple tree producing apples in the middle of January. We don't even expect that, right? Performance and productivity don't matter when you're in a winter season. So you have, you have room that you can kind of scale back and attend to what's important. We rest in winter. These, when the days are longer, nights are longer, sorry, nights are longer, days are shorter, we get to rest. We cozy up with the blanket. You know, we light the candles. We sit you know, in, our, in our room. We read books. We get to rest because the work of the spring harvest, all of those other seasons, is going to be for another season. We have less to tend. There's not as much to do in winter. You know, there's grass to mow when it starts growing again. And it's, you know, it's coming. there's grass to mow and there's stuff to do and garden to plant. But in winter, I get to rest. And so I have less to tend. Another one of the gifts is we enjoy time for seeking God and relationships with other people. It's not uncommon for us to want to gather during the holidays or to say, hey, let's have a soup party, you know, Oasis class. Um, it's not uncommon for us to want to gather because there are less things to do and we just kind of feel that coziness. We need to be with other people. And so we, we tend to take some extra time that we might not in a busier season to enjoy that. We anticipate, reflect on, and plan for spring and seasons ahead. This is when all the garden catalogs come in and all the seed catalogs, and you're trying to plant, Pastor Steve. You know, and you're thinking ahead to what's coming up and what can I look forward to and what I want to do differently this year. What do I want to keep? What do I want to go? Sounds like a lot of like, you know, your New Year's reflections. What, what comes with me into the new year and what stays behind? You know, what am I going to plant this year? and what, what do I have to look forward to? We look ahead and we plan. We can also accurately see what's around, underneath, or beyond. When there's stuff all you know, crowding our view, we can't see through it to see the other side. We can't see what's through the bushes and on the other side so that we can attend to. Space and distance become gifts to us in a winter season because we can actually see beyond. We also have permission. Winter is a season of permission. When you're in a season like this, there's permission to release and to let go of stuff. There's permission to do a little bit less, to observe more than participate, few less obligations. You have permission to, to allow yourself and your soul, your body, to restore. You have that permission. And finally, we prune and we burn. By the time that February comes around, there's some pruning that needs to happen in certain plants. There are some things that are going to be destroyed. There are some areas of damage from the winter that need to be cut off, whacked off, pruned. 
There are things that we need to see, and we take that stuff, we put a burn pile together if you live far enough out. If you don't, not in the city of Shoreline. Don't do a burn pile in the city of Shoreline. You're going to be in trouble. But you can take it. You can put it in your, you can let it <laughs> dry and put it in your fire pit. Um, those are the things that we get to do. These are gifts to us when we're in winter seasons. It's not all bad. There are things that we get to enjoy during this time if we allow God to work in these seasons so that we're prepared for the spring that's ahead. We gotta cooperate with him in the process. There are a couple of books that I recommend if any of this resonates with you that I think that would be helpful. One of them we've referred to a number of times, uh, the book Anonymous, Jesus' Hidden Years and Yours. When you're unseen, uncelebrated, when you can't figure out what's going on, when the retirement party has come or you've been overlooked for a promotion, when something has happened, your life has not gone the way you thought it would, what is God doing in those hidden spaces? And the second one is Spiritual Rhythm, Being with Jesus in Every Season of the Soul by Mark Buchanan, beautifully written book that talks about what God is doing in each season. So where, whatever season you identify with personally today, there's, there, he just has beautiful encouragement and, and things, the work to, that you can be doing in those seasons. What are the gifts? What's the work that can be done in those seasons so that you are spiritually healthy? And so now, take it just a moment and think about what do I need to forget? We thought about what do I need to remember? Well, what's something I need to forget? What's something I need to release, reevaluate, take notice of, rest in, or prune right now? Just take about 60 seconds and think about that. What do I need to forget moving forward? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to reevaluate? Where or how do you need to rest? What truth do you need to rest in? What do you need to take notice of? What needs to be pruned so that you have greater fruitfulness? And finally, things to remember, things to forget, and now we get to look forward. We're looking forward, and I'm going to have the, the worship team come, and our ushers prepare for communion. Verse 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is the promise. This is what's on the other side of remembering and forgetting and looking ahead. We see that God is doing something new. God is doing a new thing in our lives. Whatever thing we thought was great in the past pales in comparison with where God is leading us. Whatever I have known of God in the past, however I've experienced him before, pales in comparison with what God has for me and where he would lead me. And so he says, I want you to look, see, see, pay attention, take notice, look for the signs of growth, feel the warmth of spring. I want you to pay attention to what's happening, look and see it. I was on a walk on, um, on January 1st, so New Year's Day. I was in a walk in my neighborhood, and if you'll bring up that next slide, um, this is what I saw in my neighborhood. It's harder to see because it's not a great picture, but there were pink flowers blooming on, I think, a type of camellia. Some plant person is going to need, yeah, thank you. Paul Speck is, is nodding yes. There were pink blossoms on this tree. I could not believe it on this bush. I walked by and I stopped. It just took my, I was like, wow, that's not what I was expecting to see today on my New Year's Day walk in January 1st. 
This is the picture of what he's saying. I want you to look. Pay attention. Take notice. Springtime is coming. The season for full beauty and for everything to bloom may not be here quite yet, and some of our bulbs are confused a little bit. I see things poke, you know, coming up through the ground. It's not quite time, but I can pay attention for the signs. I can look for the fingerprints of God in these things, in these circumstances, in my situations, in my family, in my work, in my life, in my relationships. I can look for the signs of spring because spring is coming when I trust him and when I cooperate with him. God is doing a new thing. Forget the former, forget the past. He's doing something fresh, something new, something we've not seen or experienced before. And I would say that even for us at Shoreline Community Church. Whatever we've experienced in the past, good or bad, pales in comparison with where God's leading us. I'm excited about 2020. There's some really amazing things. I'm just like, oh, I can't wait. I'm looking forward. God's doing something fresh in us. What we've walked through these last couple of months, God's doing fresh work in each of you. We hear about it. God's been, you've been telling us what things have been stirred up and how God is, is working in your lives. God's doing some really fresh, wonderful new things. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what he's doing. I want to pay attention. And notice the timing. These new methods, new per perspectives, new seasons, new approaches. God is so creative. But he says, it's springing up now. It's not just later it's springing up now. Look for those signs. God is doing this new thing, and it's springing up now. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? Will you observe it, acknowledge it, recognize it, understand it? Will you notice what's going on and be a part of that? That allows us to believe. He says he's making a path in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In Mark 5.36, there's a, there's a verse that's where Jesus speaks, and he says, don't be afraid, just believe. It's a great verse, and it's one that I've held on for a long time. The circumstances of that verse were, um, was a man came to Jesus wanting his daughter to be healed, and she died. And while he was talking to Jesus, asking him, please come to my house, please you know, come and, and heal my daughter, People come to the man and say, don't even bother him because your daughter's dead. There's not even any point. And Jesus, you know, they weren't talking to Jesus. They were talking to the man and said, don't even bother the teacher. But Jesus hears it, and he said, oh, no, no, don't be afraid. Just believe. doesn't matter what our circumstances look like. It doesn't matter if the death pronouncement has already come. We've got to get and hear the words of Jesus. We've got to position our hearts to be responsive, to listen and hear his voice that said, it's not over until I say it's over. God has more for us. You're not, she's not dead, she's okay, and Jesus healed her, resurrected her. Don't be afraid, just believe. Believe. He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do we trust him enough to do it? Do we trust him that when he says he's working, he really is? Even when I can't see it yet, God is working. So for reflection, what is God's invitation to me? I want you to personalize that. What is God's invitation to you? What new things do you need to perceive, receive, or believe? 
What do you need to perceive? What do you need to receive from God? And what do you need to believe? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Take a couple minutes and think about that. There's a prayer in your, in your listening guide, and it's going to be up on the screen. I'd like for us to pray together as we think about, as we conclude our service today. It just simply says, God, help me to move forward and to be part of what you're blessing. Help me to leave behind anything that holds me back. Give me eyes of faith to perceive what is growing in my life today. Help me to trust that things are growing even when I can't see it. That's what this day has been about. Could you just pray that with me today? God, help me to move forward and to be part of what you are blessing. Help me to leave behind anything that holds me back. Give me eyes of faith to perceive what is growing in my life today. Help me to trust that things are growing even when I can't see it. Even when I can't see it, God's good work is going forth. And that's why we can head into this year with expectancy, with assurance, encouragement, and confidence that God is working, that God is moving. And so as we leave this place, our benediction, our encouragement is what we've, the blessing that we say over each other each week. Let's read it together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord will turn his face toward you and give you peace. Give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Jesus.